My name is Scott Challoner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me on what is a cool and crisp autumn morning here in the capital, and I'm delighted to say that joining us on the programme is Phil Jones, the Managing Director of Brother UK, the British arm of multinational information communication and tech manufacturer Brother, which, if you're old school like myself, will probably know actually featured for many years on the front of Manchester City Football Club shirts. Uh, Phil, thank you for joining us. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Scott, uh, hello, and thanks very much indeed for having me on. Yeah, real pleasure, Phil. Now, um, you've been with the Brother UK business um, as an executive for quite some time now, but it hasn't always been that case, um, the case, has it? Over your many years with the business, you've obviously occupied several senior positions, but you've essentially worked your way from the bottom up almost. So um, what's sort of been kind of the real drive and inspiration behind that journey from the bottom to top within the business that you've been on, would you say, to start with? Yes, yeah, so I joined in 1994 as a fax salesman, if we can all remember what fax machines uh, are and were. Mm. And um, I, I honestly never thought that I would had had the capability, honestly speaking, um, to to one day run the company. And actually, it was a great you know great shock and great surprise to me to be appointed uh, managing director back in in 2013. Um, you know, when I joined, they just wanted to kind of. Uh, learn a craft. I wanted to learn about what selling business to business was all about. And um, it was a Manchester-based organization. I worked in the South, so I was homeworking actually back in 1994, would you believe it, uh, which was a lot more difficult than it is nowadays. Mm. And then just as I progressed through the company, what I realized was I found a, a really great place to work. So I loved working here. I loved the job that I did. And I'd actually found a career that seemed to suit me really well. So I, I actually realized I was quite good at building relationships with people. And, um, and through those relationships, either building relationships with customers or building relationships with colleagues that you worked with, um, and then building my own skills and competencies in the areas that I wanted to develop in. Naturally, uh, opportunities just kept reaching me. And uh, then I was eventually appointed to the, uh, to the sales director for the company. Then I was appointed to the board of directors and then I became deputy managing director and then ultimately was appointed managing director back in 2013. Yeah, it's an incredible journey that you've been on. And obviously, during your tenure, you've had to sort of guide the business through one of the greatest challenges of our time, I think it's fair to say, in the shape of the COVID-19 pandemic over the last couple of years. Um, But it seems to be that businesses within your industry, within tech, that is, they've really excelled over the uh, the course of that time as our reliance on technology has increased. So for yourself and for Brother, just how has the, the last sort of two years been? Yes, I mean, I think you can look at it um, from our point of view that, that for all businesses, when they, when they can describe their um, COVID experience, some businesses have had you know, massively increased demand. Some people have had massively suppressed demand. Mm. Um, some people have been in the middle. We're one of those businesses that, that, that have, have massively increased demand. So the, the headaches that we had were actually mostly uh, supply chain related, actually, mm. in that we were very fortunate that suddenly we had millions of people that needed to work from home. And of course, we uh, manufacture products, uh, primarily computer printers, all in one printers, where suddenly demand went through the roof for technology of that type. So it was kind of, it was good from our side, because of course, we had you know, huge increases in, in, in the demand side. 
But actually, the really big challenges I think that, that we had as a business was in the supply side. And, um, you know, any business who manufactures or in the manufacturing supply chain would understand that suddenly the footprint of COVID had wide-reaching ramifications for, for everything that we do, right the way down to, you know, a component suppliers, right the way down through the, ch- through the supply chain to things like ports and ships and then of course we had brexit on top so mm. so much of my time was uh, has really been spent um, on two major things really one of course is actually ensuring that that the people within our business are uh, a can can work efficiently but actually are also supported during this very dynamic period that we had and then the second thing was of course then trying to ensure that the products that we that, that we had needed to meet demand could actually get here and what people may not realize was for example is that brother has a huge footprint not just in the home office printing market but also in the healthcare market so we have you know well in excess of a hundred thousand printers that you know are printing prescriptions and gp surgeries so it was vitally important that we kept that supply chain also fully serviced in order that we could help contribute to the wider um, issues that society had on ensuring that anybody who had any type of health issue, not a lot, uh, as well as COVID, could also be dealt with by the health system. So it was a very, very busy time for us. Mm. And that's the thing, isn't it? Um, supply chains have had to operate at reduced capacity simply because stuff cannot work from home, can they? I mean, you can't have people who are actually building the stuff doing it from their houses. They've got to be in the factories, on the production lines, kind of carrying out that work in a safe way. And obviously there's the issues of getting materials into these factories. And that's also an issue that even with restrictions going, has not alleviated because we're seeing the impact of, of course, HGV driver shortages in getting materials out to different venues, and we're seeing the impact of Brexit. And this is something that's ongoing, isn't it? And it's going to be a challenge for quite some time, it seems. Without a doubt, um, you know, the, the ripple effects are, are significant and they are going to be sort of almost omnipresent for some time to come. Uh, we, we've all now been exposed to just how integrated global supply chains actually are. And now we've sort of peeled all that away. We can just see that actually there was quite a lot of fragility. Um, and for, for many, many businesses like our own, actually, uh, certainly in the, the developed Western economies, many people didn't really have the word pandemic on a lot of their risk, you know, risk matrices. It would be mm. um, a very low chance of it occurring and, and probably a moderate impact if it occurred. But of course, nowadays, pandemics are absolutely right up there as far as uh, risk matrices are concerned and and they would absolutely be the risk of a future event happening would now in my view still be high and of course we now realize that the impact of any future pandemic can also be high so now i think it's really brought, uh, brought into view how businesses plan how businesses structure themselves and and what they plan to do now as we navigate into this absolutely new future um, for global supply chains, demand, working practices, uh, life outside of Europe, all of these sorts of things. So there's an awful lot of important work for leaders to still do. And one of the challenges is to essentially where there is a lot of pressure and little supply is to sort of maintain productivity and maintain morale amongst our workforce to sort of keep that productivity going. Um, has that sort of been a challenge from your point of view as well? Or do you think that people have really sort of applied themselves within the brother supply chain quite well over this time? Yes, I, I think 
absolutely as a leader, and you know, particularly, I guess, in the very early days of COVID, you know, we were absolutely in crisis management mode. And because, of course, you had uh, huge amounts of, you know, a large volume of complex problems, uh, which are unexpected, you, unexpected hitting you um, with great frequency. And as a result, of course, that means you were all working very, very long days. But I think when you lead an organization particularly, you have absolutely got to stay zoomed out. And it would be very, very easy to be buried in all this detail mm. for 15, 16 hours a day. And certainly in the first three months of COVID, you know, it was very, very hard work indeed. A lot of heavy lifting to do with, with sorting a lot of these problems out. But at the same time, vitally important that you preserve time and space to not just care for yourself as the leader, but also care for those others that are that, that you have to care for. That mm. is the people within your culture. So um, you know, when you realize um, during this whole period, there's been really two key things, two things that I think stand out, which is the systemic changes and then the existential changes. And the systemic changes, of course, we're seeing all of these supply change, structures of, of organizations changing how we work but then of course the existential side is of course um, the change in people the change in our collective wisdom the change in what we want from our lives the change what, uh, in what we want from our employers and of course we've all reset i guess our expectations about what we want from life having mm -hmm. lived through this pandemic so so i think as the leader of any organization you've got to be sensitive to both of those two things You've got to be on it in terms of the strategic planning now, ensuring that the direction of travel that you've got is correct in the new environment that you're in. And you've also got to be on it in terms of the shifting expectations now about the people that work within your organization, about ensuring that you're sensitive to the fact that there's an awful lot of um, grief and loss that may be existing in your culture right now. You know, people have lost relatives and friends or uh, people have been through COVID and may have you know, survivor syndrome, all of these things, long COVID, mental health issues. So, so now for me is a time where as a leader, you have to have a great degree of organizational sensitivity. You have really got to ensure that you're available for your people and you are understanding through your back channels just what the health of your own organization is right here, right now, to help you deal with some of the more systemic-based issues that, that the business is, is being presented with. Mm. And if you aren't sensitive to that, um, obviously the consequence of that is you're not going to be able to access the pool of talent that's out there because expectations of our prospective employers has changed so much that if they're not living up to those expectations, people aren't, simply aren't going to want to come and work for you. Without a doubt, I mean, we've all heard the term, the big resignation that's going on right now, where due to these existential changes, people are changing their jobs, their homes, their relationships, changing everything about their lives. And of course, if, if, if an existing employer does not have the, what we call the EVP, the employee value proposition that says, well, look, I've shifted and I'm now here or I want this for my life or for my employment or whatever that might be. If they're not getting that, and if you are not offering that as an employer right here, right now, relative to where everyone's sitting, then then really you're already uh, behind. So you know, one of the things that certainly we invest a lot of time in is making sure that one of the first things we did is in, um, really bring up to date our, our EVP, 
getting hybrid working implemented very, very quickly. We did a fairly major refurbishment of our building and uh, really changed the way that the building looked, uh, creating more social spaces, all of those things, in order that the physical environment where people, when people came to our, our office had totally changed. So now, you know, it's all about the multiple spaces upon which people do their work, whether it be home, um, Rome, i.e. on the move somewhere else, or office, each of those spaces has to do something differently in terms of their output. So we had to invest a lot in all of that in meeting those expectations. And by doing that, what that's meant is, thankfully, we, we haven't become a victim of the big resignation, which mm. is great. But more importantly, attracting people to our organization is pretty easy because we've got that EVP right. Yeah, and that's really, really encouraging, especially at a time where, you know, the landscape for recruitment for many businesses in many sectors is quite challenging. And going back to something that we mentioned before about how when it comes to sort of mental health and morale, we've got to sustain our own as leaders and lead by example in that respect. Um, there are a lot of regular listeners of this podcast, Phil, that may well have sort of been in that crisis mode and really felt the strain over the last couple of years. And with you also having sort of been there and done that and had your hands full with crisis management, how did you sort of kind of keep your own sort of work-life balance intact and your own mental health in a good place over the last year or so? Yes, I'm happy to share. Um, there's, there's two things I want to just quickly say. and they're, they're, I'm, I've got a bias for mnemonics. I'm terrible, but I, mm-hmm. I want to just share two with your listeners because they may help. Yeah, of course. The, the first one is, is, is I, um, I have a, a one that I call keep calm in a crisis, calm. And then what I mean by that is, is that, when I'm hit by crises, I, I look to this, and, I, and that means, number one is communicate. Make sure that you're communicating with your teams, your customers, those people closest to you, as regularly and as often as they need it. The second thing is A, action orientation. So when you're in the middle of the crisis, it's very important that you, you make decisions where you can. Um, and I always love that saying, um, you know, go slow when you can, go fast when you must. And, you know, for me, you've got to look at all of these decisions and say, well, there are some times when you're going to be hit with things and you've got to prioritize and start to create actions which are needed right here, right now in the middle of that crisis. But only decide the things that you must uh, when you must in very short timescales. The third thing is L, level headedness. You absolutely must stay with your feet on the ground, not get caught up in the emotion, the politics, all those other things. You've got to be in a place where you can make very level-headed decisions. Because the last thing is about M, which is about being mindful. And what I mean by that is, is actually decisions that you take today can have ramifications in the future. Things that you say, directions that you might take. So you must always be mindful about the decision that you're about to take mindful about what impact it might have on the people around you, your, your strategic objectives, your ESG, ESG strategy, whatever that might be. So that's the first thing I would say is I'm always, when I'm faced with a crisis, I look to that mnemonic, keep calm in a crisis to ensure I keep myself in check on decision making. Mm. The second thing is I implement what I call my desk policy. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, again, that stands for Diet, exercise, sleep, and kindness, brackets, to self. And 
the idea there is, is that you should really try and focus on doing three of one of those four things well during that crisis. So either eating better um, or exercising um, or going to bed earlier to make sure that your brain's got all the recovery time that it needs, uh, that you're waking up the next day with all of those thoughts processed and filed and, and you've got a clear deck. And kindness to self is actually giving yourself a break um, recognizing that, that often there'll be a lot of pressure on you and quite often not, not everybody can understand that pressure. And I guess when I made it to be the MD of the company, I never quite realized what it meant to be the number one. I'd always been the number two, but there's an extra layer of pressure when you're number one because everybody's looking at you. So K, kindness to self, is just give yourself a break that you can't be perfect all the time. We are not superhuman. And actually, there are times when, when actually you've just got to be kind to yourself and go, do you know what, I need a day off. Or uh, can you just give me some time? Or it's okay to just go and have a walk during your day just to get your thoughts together. So those two mm. things I hope will be helpful for your listeners. And I think it's so important to remember there, as you said, that we are not infallible, even in leadership roles. We are going to get things wrong sometimes. And when those setbacks happen, it's about winning or learning, isn't it? It's not about failure. And I think setbacks are almost just part and parcel of sort of being in business, aren't they? And we have to be able to respond to those well. You do. And if you're ever, you know, if, you're, if your audience are aspiring to be in a leadership position, you, you really just have to become very conditioned to dealing with setbacks. And you, you almost become deconditioned, in my view, um, because nowadays, whatever, you know, when any setback hits me of any kind, whether it be personal or professional, you've sort of got the slightly clinical way that you deal with it. But sort of almost everything's solvable. If you implement the calm, you stay, you know, action orientated, level headed, all of those things that actually invariably you can overcome almost everything. And everything that does present itself, even if it is a setback, generally becomes a learning experience. And uh, speaking to an audience of uh, you know, young aspiring leaders um, at an event in Manchester, I was asked a question, which is, uh, what would your advice be for us about how we develop our leadership careers mm. uh, to try and get into a role like you, yours in the future? And my advice to them was very simply, focus on mastery. Mastery of subject matter, uh, and that is growing your, you know, your list of uh, skills and competencies that you have, or uh, what we call your skill stack. So, so become good at lots of different things. So master your craft, the thing that you're employed for, but also grow your skill stack, which is more generalized areas of competency, um, which the business could benefit from or your future self could benefit from. And the second part is mastery of self, which is actually the ability to self-regulate, uh, to have self-awareness, to have better emotional intelligence, um, about about oneself and once those two flywheels begin to turn you become quite unstoppable because you're not only building your capability in the business but actually also building your vulnerability at the same time to know that if something does go wrong or if you have a setback then you, you build a greater level of resiliency in your ability to be able to resolve them and bounce back um, what, what some people call anti-fragility, which is actually really learning much more from these experiences and becoming an improved version of self as a result of them. 
Yeah, it's hugely important, isn't it, those aspects to sort of make yourself more adaptable and adaptability, flexibility, that has been sort of the buzzword of the uh, the last year, hasn't it? Business has had no choice but to pivot in order to essentially survive over COVID. And what has come with that is essentially a reinvention of leadership. And that actually, incidentally, is the theme of the upcoming International Leadership Week um, run by the Institute of Leadership and Management. And they're going to be really hammering home how traditional leadership thinking has really taken a heat over the last couple of years and how leadership essentially has changed. And I think it's fair to say that it's seen so much change over that time, as we've discussed today. Without a doubt. And um for me now, um, you know, leadership rests on four important pillars, which is um, physical leadership, which is not only the physical leadership of self and others, but the physical spaces you design and things like the understanding of neurosciences. So you've really got to be equipped with a real understanding of, of all of those aspects. Um, you've then got the emotional intelligence, which, of course, is, is, a, is a fundamental, probably the, the most important part of, uh, of leadership alongside with your skill-based um, competencies, you know, that ability to have emotional connection with people. The third pillar is digital, and, and clearly um, digital has been forced on a lot of people, but I think it's long been said that the C-suite is really needs to be more D, more digitally capable. And I think it's incumbent on all leaders to grow their digital skills um, not just outside of a team's call, but in terms of understanding the wider environment now about where artificial intelligence is going, RPA, how you can actually better use digital systems in your business to, to be more productive. And then the final bit is actually is a, a pillar I call spiritual, which might be a bit more difficult for people to process or understand. But it's linked very strongly to this existential change that I described earlier. And that is this ability to have uh, much deeper conversations with people um, who could well be your high-performing individuals, your top talent, your rising stars, whoever that might be, that if they have, they're feeling a little bit um, you know, uh, like they're a bit lost, it could be related to a 30th birthday, a 40th birthday, a 50th birthday, and they're trying to sort of get that, I'm feeling a little lost, I need to find myself or I need new purpose in life. Can you as a leader begin to navigate somebody through that journey with them in order that they stay with you. And that's probably a much deeper level of conversation than just a broad be, being more emotionally capable, with, uh, emotionally capable with an emotional quotient. So those are the four pillars in my view where I think um, leadership is, is shifted to and where now we should all be um, equipping ourselves and in, uh, increasing our mastery across those four pillars. Yeah, it's incredibly important that obviously we do adapt to these changing times. And as we begin to sort of embrace the changes that we are seeing over the next month and indeed years, um, I'd be interested to understand just before we finish up, Phil, what some of your priorities are going to be from a business perspective over that time. And where do you see Brother UK being by this time in 2022? Oh, great question. Well, I mean, I think the key thing for us is, is making sure, of course, we've got a much more uh, stable supply chain than perhaps we've got. But I'm always very interested in things like global CO surveys and, um, and, and making sure uh, that, that my thinking aligns with things like that. So when I look at places like Deloitte or KPMG, some big things are coming out. And that, that is, for me, um, you know, ESG, you know, environmental social governance, ensuring that, 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 that our place in society as a business that wants to do good things for society uh, for all stakeholders, remains a priority. 
meeting customer expectations because they're all shifting too. Uh, you know, people are going to want to be doing stuff with our technology in very different places than they perhaps were before. Ensuring that there are digital skill set and systems are absolutely always up to date and ensuring that, that we are always thinking about the future of work and making sure that, that everything that we do uh, allows uh, people within our organization to be happy. And if people are happy, they're going to do their best work for you. And if they do their best work for you, you are going to be in the best possible state to execute against any strategic outcome that you want. So they're the things where I'll be spending uh, the bulk of my time and, uh, and where certainly we as a business will be navigating towards an overall direction of travel. It's fascinating times indeed. And I think as we start to really see these changes taking shape, Phil, it might even be beneficial to welcome you back onto the programme with us at some point in the next year just to discuss how far Brother has got with those ambitions and also what the environment that we're in is looking like then because um, there, are, there are still a lot of variables in this and it is incredibly exciting times. So, yeah, I, I relish the opportunity to have you back on the show with us because I've thoroughly enjoyed having you with us today. My pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure, Phil. And uh, lastly, do just take care and stay safe with everything that's still going on in the world too. Many thanks. Will do. It was a pleasure welcoming Phil Jones, Managing Director of Brother UK, onto today's programme. And for any regular listeners tuning in who may feel you have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us, then by all means, you can apply to be on the show at leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. We will be back very soon with a whole new programme for you. Um, Until next time, do take care and goodbye.